Welcome back to Two Keto Dudes. This is Carl Franklin from Connecticut in the United States. Yeah, but you're not in the United States, are you? You're no, in Australia. I am. Right. Right. Uh, and in February 2016, I put myself on a ketogenic diet to take control of my metabolism. In just two and a half months, I managed to reverse all my markers of type 2 diabetes with diet alone. As of now, I'm 80 pounds lighter with no signs of diabetes or heart disease. Hi, I'm Richard Morris, and I'm also in Canberra, Australia, mm -hmm. and I've been on a ketogenic diet since April of 2014. And when I started, I was very sick with complications from type 2 diabetes. Within six months of starting a ketogenic diet, all of my biomarkers of disease had disappeared. I've lost about 100 pounds, and I've completely turned my health around. And that noise you hear is the ambient sounds of Richard's back porch here in Canberra. <laughs> yeah, we thought it would be fun to record the intro and outro of this show outside on the porch. And this show is a document of our experiences thriving for years in nutritional ketosis. Thriving and reversing diabetes. Yeah, and hopefully that might help a few people who are curious about this kind of dietary hacking. Yeah, we're not doctors. We don't want to give any medical advice, but we are keen to share our own experiences. We're actually both software developers, so we're not afraid of a little technical detail, are we, Carl? Nope. Nope-a-dope. <laughs> We've done some research into our own deranged metabolisms and the science behind them, and we share studies that we found in the show notes. You'll probably work out pretty quickly that we're both foodies. Oh, yeah. We love to cook mm -hmm. and we love to eat. Yep. And every episode, we both share a keto recipe that, you know, it's probably not bad. Well, today <laughs> it's when we have for breakfast, so yeah, it's excellent. <laughs> it's actually really mm -hmm. good. All right, so let's start podcast number 134, Nadia Potiguana, Ketogenic Naturopath. You say so, Richard, do we have any apologies or corrections from last week's show? Let's see. Last week's show was number 133, When Bodies Revolt with Brandon Wen. Yeah. No, that was a perfect episode, and it was perfectly edited by the guest. <laughs> we make our guests do all the editing as well. It was. I really appreciate that Brandon told his story in its entirety yeah. because it's it's a long story, but yeah. man, is it, it a was good, good story. Yeah. Thank you, Brandon, for that. So let's revisit what a ketogenic diet is. Ketogenic diet is any diet that puts you into a state of ketosis where you're burning fat for energy rather than glucose. Mm -hmm. And one surefire way to do that is to limit your carbohydrate intake daily to 20 grams or less. Yeah, it forces your body to use fat for energy instead of burning glucose for energy. That's right. Protein is moderate. We use one to one and a half grams of protein every day for every kilogram that we have of lean body mass. Yeah, you don't want to use protein for energy either. We're going to use fat for energy. That's fat. right. Fat. Fat. <laughs> <laughs> Duck fat, chicken fat, beef fat. All the fat. Pork fat. <laughs> yeah, so you want to get your energy from fat. It doesn't matter if it's the energy on your plate or the energy on your body. You yeah. know, it, this is uh, our bodies are fueled on fat. Absolutely. And mm -hmm. if you're just starting this keto thing, listen to our starting keto show at start.2keto.com. So, buddy. How was your week? I spent my week with uh, a keto dude named Carl Franklin. That's right. <laughs> Carl came to visit uh, and has been staying at my place for the past week. And we've been doing lots of fun keto dude activities. We've been getting ready for Keto Fest. This is going to happen at the National Press Club of Australia in Canberra at the end of this week on Sunday, the 16th of September. That's and by right. the time you hear this podcast, it will all be done and dusted. But right now, we're just in the last throes of getting ready for the VIP party. Party, yeah. which is going to be uh, a party here at my house on my deck. We're, yep. we're getting um, uh, equipment all showing up tomorrow. We're getting like uh, lights, party lights, and we're yeah. getting uh, like tables for 30 people. And, yep. Yeah, Cleaning the pool, grooming the yard. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. The dog's going to go into daycare for a couple of days <laughs> and <laughs> we're getting ready for a party. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's that's what I've been doing this week. What have you been doing, Carl? Well, I've been here, obviously, helping you, getting ready for Keto Fest Down Under. But um, uh, a couple of things have stuck out uh, so far. I mean, okay. I love Australia. Cool. I'm having a great time here in Canberra. It's my second time to your country. The mm -hmm. first one was about 10 years ago. But um, yesterday, we went out for a cycle at Magic Hour yeah. to shoot some wallabies and kangaroos. Yeah. With a camera. Yeah, not with a gun. <laughs> no, that's right. With a camera. Yeah. 
Uh, and we've been eating ketogenic food to excess this week, I got to admit, and it's been amazing. <laughs> you know, for the first time, I've had lamb breast. Right. Or lamb flaps, we call it here. Yeah, yeah. right. It's the ribs, the mm. front ribs, which are bigger than the Chateaubriand kind yeah. of ribs. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, amazing. I also tasted your truffle ice cream, mm-hmm. which I'm going to demo. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to demo making this with crushed dry ice. Outstanding. <laughs> it's going to be a science experiment, people. <laughs> I've, uh, oh my God. I've already ordered uh, some dry ice back home, which I'm going to pick up on my way home from the airport. <laughs> and you're going to do this in front of a crowd of 70 people at Keto Fest Down Under That's at the right. National Press Club of, of Canberra. Yeah, it's going to mm. be amazing. So, mm. the whole idea behind this method is you make a custard, your anglaise, like you normally do for an ice cream. Mm-hmm. And then you powder the dry ice in a food processor right. and just whiz it up in a KitchenAid yeah. with the Anglaise. Yeah. And like in minutes, yes. you've got perfect ice cream. Yeah, you don't have to wait multiple hours and then freeze it. And you, you don't have to do any of that. And the thing is that the ice crystals uh, are absolutely perfectly formed in the milk. And right. so it it's perfect texture of ice cream. Absolutely. Mm. So, so, you know, those are some of the highlights from my week. But... <laughs> Another thing that we did, and we just did this today, you know, we've been toying with this idea of helping other people do their own keto fests right? and keto mini fests, which is, you know, a four-hour, five-hour version of a keto fest. Sure. And we talked it through, and we decided that it'd be very difficult for us to require a list of uh, things for every keto fest to have. Just because we had them and they were successful hmm. doesn't mean that it's appropriate for every other keto fest and it could still be a keto yeah, fest. Every, every keto fest will be different because it, it, is, it is rooted in the community that it's serving. Right. And so, you know, a keto fest in Canberra will be different than a keto fest in New London, different from keto fests in other countries. So, right. you know, each is going to be slightly different. There's a couple of things that we want people to have in all of the keto fests so that people know what to expect. They know if they're going to a keto fest, they'll have the unique keto fest experience. Which- right. And they're going to have a social aspect of it. Sure. They're going to have food as a major component yep. of it, mm-hmm. whether that's cooking demonstrations or a meal or both. Yep. There's going to be lectures or talks. Yep. And people will be able to mingle with the, the, the presenters. Absolutely. And it, it's going to be social. And so, you know, that that's really what we, we want to make sure that people know when they're going to a keto fest that they're going to have a similar experience to all of the keto fests, but it will be unique for that particular region. Right. So what we decided to do was have an application that anybody can fill out if they want to host their own keto fest, call it a keto fest and have our support. Right. Which we think is a valuable yep. thing because we've got this great brand. Yeah. Right? People know when somebody says to you, I went to a keto fest, mm-hmm. you, you immediately think of barbecues and, you know, uh, cooking demonstrations and talks and this mm-hmm. great social yeah. atmosphere. Yeah. So that's what we want to just make sure that everybody follows the spirit mm-hmm. of Keto Fest. And the smaller ones that will waive the licensing fee, um, we'll help you out. We'll show you what we did. Um, and we'll, we'll try and give you as much support as we can. Yep. And the larger ones will take a small licensing fee. Yep. Um, which will help uh, uh, cover our costs. So, um, you know, that's uh, that. hopefully that's going to give people a template that they can reuse to make Keto Fests happen all over the world. And that's our goal is to – we want to have Keto Fests, unique Keto Fests to the regions that they're going. We want to have one going every weekend all over the world. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be amazing? (laughs) Wouldn't that be lovely? Yeah. So the application that you can fill out is at Mm -hmm. host.ketofest.com host.ketofest.com. Go mm-hmm. there and check it out. If you're Even if you're interested, maybe you just want to know what's involved. Mm-hmm. Go read it. It's yeah. good. So that's what I've been doing this week. Uh, I think it's time to give away some swag. Sure. Every show we pick a lucky winner at random from the members of the Two Keto Dudes fan club. Yep. Today we're giving away a treasure trove of stuff from vendors we like, all of which you can find at fanclub.2keto.com. We also need to mention a caveat. Most of our vendors can only ship inside the United States. That's right. But... If we happen to pick someone outside the U.S., we will find something to send you, but it probably won't be the whole treasure trove, um, until we can find an affordable means of distribution, that is. So, who's our winner this week? Well, today's winner, Richard, is Terry Collier. Congratulations, Terry. Yeah. Let's tell everybody what Terry has won. Right. Well, the first thing we're giving away today is a two Keto Dudes coffee mug with our mugs on it that says, keep calm and keto on. And a signed copy of Lies My Doctor Told Me by Dr. Ken Berry, online at lies.2keto.com. And a bottle of Stevia Sweet Barbecue Sauce 
developed by a barbecue restaurant owner who plans to change the restaurant industry forever. Only two carbs per serving, online at steviasweetbbq.com. And a cheese-making kit from Wine & Way. Pam Zorn gave everybody at KetoFest a kit so they could make their own fresh mozzarella. You can find this online at wineandway.com. That's W-I-N-E-A-N-D-W-H-E-Y.com. And a six-ounce cup of beef bone broth concentrate from Birthright Nutrition. Simply add water, heat, stir, sip, and enjoy. Jam-packed with good stuff. More at birthrightnutrition.com. We're also giving away a bottle of Remag Magnesium Solution developed by Dr. Carolyn Dean, along with a copy of her protocol and the Keto and Magnesium Manifesto online at magmiracle.com. You can hear the dingoes in the back. <laughs> <laughs> We're also giving away a big bottle of Fasting Drops from Keto Chow. It's a well-formulated blend of electrolytes. Just drop a little in your water and fasting will be a breeze. Online at fastingdrops.2keto.com. And two bottles of Sated, one chocolate, one vanilla. Online at sated.2keto.com. And from Keto & Co., a sampler six-pack, a bag of brownies, four bags of different flavored cauliflower rices, and a bag of flatbread. Online at Keto and Co. And if you don't want to wait to win some swag, you can buy all sorts of it online at gear.2keto.com. And that brings us squarely to... My Which in Australia is carried in a kangaroo's pouch. Did you know that? <laughs> no, it's not. I saw your we mailman today. We genetically engineered the kangaroos to deliver the mail. Oh, my. Such lies. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, my mail today is from the ketogenic forums and it's from john somsky yeah now john posted this in the great big public keto before and after thread what um, a great thread that is this is a great thread on the ketogenic forums it's mm -hmm. a, a public invitation for anybody who has had success yeah at the ketogenic diet and if you want to share it and if you want to share it know that it's public it goes out to the world yeah and uh there's hundreds of posts on here now 448 posts but the thing is that that single thread has caused people to think about doing keto so right. if you've had success and you want to share that um, be to generous that. with that because what you're going to find is that people will see that and go hey that's that's someone i know and look right. how did well they did and yep. you know that they may consider trying the intervention themselves Exactly. So John says, my name is John Somsky. I was born in 1968 and I have struggled with my weight my entire life. I went on my first diet when I was in the second grade. Wow. I've tried nearly every diet imaginable and have literally lost hundreds of pounds on these diets over the course of my life. And with each diet, I've eventually gained back everything mm. I lost with a little extra for good measure. Oh, no. Yeah. I've always thought of myself as the fat kid which has been frustrating and a source of shame for me. As a child, I always needed to order the largest shirt available when participating in extracurricular activities, and I had to shop in the Husky section for jeans. Sears. Mm. Man, I remember having to wear those. So the Husky section, that's not for sled dogs, is it? No, <laughs> no. Husky, Husky was a brand of jeans at Sears ah. that were stretchable. Oh, they were okay. like polyester jeans. Oh, yeah. right, yeah. Um, I was always very aware of my extra weight. Despite being fairly short, I wrestled in the 168-pound weight class as a sophomore in high school when I should have been at least 30 pounds lighter. Wow. I was even happy when I managed to lose 20 pounds and got down to a still obese 210 pounds one summer during college. And I considered it a victory when I was able to get down to 275 when I got married in 2002. Each success was heavier than ones in years before and emphasized the overall trend of failure. Before I got married, I followed the Atkins diet for a couple of years. I felt better on this diet than any other, and I had the most control over my hunger. Oh, that's so familiar. Yeah. Mm. However, I did stall toward the end after a year or so, and mm -hmm. that decreased my motivation. Yeah. Sound familiar? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and not only does Being it decrease there. your motivation, everybody else in your life decreases your motivation because they tell you you're not losing weight. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. So he goes on. As a result, I decided to stop the Atkins diet, quote unquote, temporarily for my honeymoon, but it would be years before I ever took low carbs seriously again. In 2008, I was diagnosed with diabetes and started taking metformin. I dabbled with lower-carb diets over the next few years, but I didn't stay on them for very long, and I wasn't very disciplined. 
By 2015, my blood sugar was out of control. My A1C was 10.7. Wow. And that's almost as close as you got. Yeah, I think mine was 11.2. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it, it's still up in the same range. It's virtually the same. <laughs> right. Uh, my doctor gave me a few months to try to get it under control before more drastic measures would be taken. After five months of half-hearted attempts to lower my carb intake, I only managed to lower it to 10.6. Mm. Point one. Oh, point. 10.7 to 10.6 after a lot of hard work. That, yeah. It's no wonder that people get frustrated and depressed with this. Yeah. Mm. So in December 2015, my doctor prescribed Lantus, a long-acting insulin, to help control my blood sugar. So now his pancreas wasn't able to make enough insulin that he had to inject it. Right. It's dreadful. And this is the standard of care. Yeah. Yeah. It took 120 units a day of insulin to control my blood sugars. With the addition of the insulin, my A1C bounced from 6.6 to 7.9 for the next few months. So he's still diabetic. He's still diabetic at 7.5. The standard of care is to try and medicate us to 7.0, which is, you know, it's medicating us to a diabetic state. Right. They don't want to medicate us to get lower than that because we run the risk of going hypoglycemic and uh, you could end up in a coma. So, you know, they want to keep you at the higher end of that. The funny thing is, though, if they knew that your liver could produce all the glucose you need, you didn't need insulin. Yeah, that's right. It's because of the insulin you could run the risk of hypoglycemia. Right. Yeah. Without it, you don't. Yeah. True. During this time, my weight was increasing at a rapid pace. And the extra weight was placing extra stress on my joints. I couldn't stand for more than 30 minutes without extreme discomfort in my back, and my energy level was at an all-time low. I was also feeling lots of aches and pains in my joints, particularly Mm. in my knees. Yeah. I mean, all that weight is adding stress, that's true, but also, you know, you're typically inflamed you put in a permanently inflamed state you don't go in and out of bouts of inflammation which is the the body's designed to use inflammation as a way to repair things on a short-term basis we're not designed to stay there chronically yeah 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 around june of 2016 i started to listen to the two keto dudes podcast hey that's us yeah and i thought that maybe a ketogenic diet would be my next attempt at a low-carb diet I started to learn as much as I could and began to prepare myself for making a permanent lifestyle change as opposed to another temporary diet. Mm. Yep. In late October, I stepped on the scale and weighed 397. Ooh. That was the last straw. Yeah. I didn't want to break the 400-pound mark. So on November 1st, 2016, I started my keto diet. My doctor was supportive. And we came up with a plan for me to monitor my blood sugar and decrease my insulin as necessary, although I'm not sure he actually believed I would be able to stop the insulin. (laughs) Wow. But at least he had his doctor's engagement. You know, I mean, if you are on insulin and you're starting a ketogenic diet, get your doctor involved um, because it's necessary to... Uh, once you get on a ketogenic diet, you may need to go off insulin and you're going to need your doctor to, to, to tell you how to do that safely. That's right. They want to monitor you very closely. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Because mm-hmm. you run this, it's a balancing act, right? Mm-hmm. So John goes on, as it turns out, by March of 2017, I was completely off my insulin mm-hmm. and had lost 30 pounds. Wow. Yeah. And in April of that year, I got even better news. My A1C was down to 7.0 which wow. was as good as the insulin was able to maintain it. Yeah, so he was able to do with diet what they were medicating him with a lot of insulin to get to. With a big difference. Yeah. With insulin, he's gaining weight. Right. Without, he's, he's losing, losing weight. weight. Not that weight is a vital criteria. No, but, but what's where, that li- where it's coming off of his liver, his yeah, fatty yeah, liver is yeah, going away. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's what insulin does. It doesn't cause us to put on fat. What it does is it stops us burning fat. So the only thing we can do with it is put it into storage. That's right. And so he's hungry all the time. Yeah, because so he's he got no more. energy because he can't use the energy on his body. This is, this explains the paradox of the fat man who's hungry all the time and lethargic. Yeah. If a man is fat and has all this energy on his body, why would he be hungry? Right. He has so much energy. Right. Why wouldn't he go out and exercise? Why would he say, oh, I don't feel like exercise I've if he's had- got all that energy? And it's because he can't use it. Yeah, I've had the sensation. I know you have too and a lot of other people, especially with pizza, right? Pizza mm. is one of those things where I could have sat down in the past and eaten a whole large pizza by myself. Too. Not a problem. Be completely stuffed. Yeah. 
like hurting. My yep. belly's hurting from being physical so full. capacity. Physical capacity, and yet starving. Yes. Now I've I've had that I've had that feeling exactly before. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It, it Why is. is that? It's because we can't use the energy. Yeah. Mm. Uh, well, he goes on here. This is this is the story gets better. So to recap. March 2017, completely off insulin, lost 30 pounds. Right. By April, his A1C was down to 7.0. So, in May of 2017, I participated in my first extended fast, thanks to the support of Brenda Zorn in the Ketogenic Forum. Well done, Brenda. Well done. Yeah. yeah. The fast lowered my fasting blood sugar by almost 50 points immediately and permanently. Nice. It also spurred on even more rapid weight loss. By mid-June, I was down to 325 pounds, an over 50-pound loss, and my A1C was 5.5, the best I'd ever measured. Wow. Yeah. He's non-diabetic. Non-diabetic. He has eaten himself to non-diabetes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and no insulin. Yeah. This is, this is great. Yeah. Mm. What a story. What a story. But that's not where his journey ends, is it? Oh, no. There's more. It gets more. better. Yeah. So, in January this year, 2018, my <laughs> A1C was an astonishing 4.4, and my weight was down to 265, nice. over 130 pounds lost. Wow. Well done. Well done. <laughs> yeah. I should mention, actually, that John's HbA1c went down to 4.4, but everybody's HbA1c goes to a different level, and it depends on how long your red blood cells live, and each hmm. of our... Red blood cells live for different durations. If your red blood cells don't live as long, then you have a lower HbA1c. So, for right. example, his 10.6 or 10.7 that he started off with might be the same as my 11.2. Right. My 5.2 that I ended at might be the same as his 4.4. Right. We might have the same level of, of exposure to glucose, but my red blood cells just live longer than his, and so they have more chance to get more glycated over that time. And the reason that we use A1C is because typically red blood cells live around three months on average. Yeah, between 90 and 120 days. Yeah. So it could be between three months and four months your red right. blood cells live, and right. everybody has a different range. So There you go. So you know, my somebody, red blood yeah. cells might live longer, therefore my A1C will be higher. Yeah. So his 4.4 is not necessarily better than somebody at my 5.2 or yeah. your 5.5. We just have red blood cells that live for different times but look at it his difference between 10.7 and 4.4 that's a, the critical thing amazing that that his point to point because it's the same red blood cells yeah. his point to point change has been dramatic all right well it gets better <laughs> so since january mm -hmm. i've lost another 30 pounds for a total of 160 pounds lost nice however the control of my diabetes and being able to stop injecting insulin is an even bigger win mm. In addition, I can now stand for hours without pain. Sure. I can walk for several miles without a problem. And he my probably joints walking. Absolutely. Mm. And my joints no longer ache. Mm. My health has improved dramatically, and I'm still working on losing more weight. I'd at least like to get to 200 pounds lost overall. Well, good luck, John. It's good to have a goal. But absolutely. You, but, but as far as he's I'm already concerned, he's already, met, he's already met all of my objectives. He did it which in the first four months. Get yourself to be non-diabetic. Yeah. That's the first thing. Yeah. Get yourself all that insulin. You'll save a lot of money. Yeah. That's, that, <laughs> that's Somebody a, will, that's, anyway. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mm. All right. So, the last paragraph. Mm. The weight is coming off more slowly now, but I have more control of my hunger than ever before. I feel confident that this is now my new way of life. And with the health improvements I've seen, I'm looking forward to a long and healthy adventure in the years to come. Nice. Well done, John. You know, I, I like to say that when type 2 diabetics go keto, you notice something in their before and after photos that they start off with a generic fat person face. If, right. if, if John, uh, at his largest, was 400 pounds, yeah. Ish, minus, yeah, 397 pounds mm -hmm. at his largest, if he was in a group photo of other people who are type 2 diabetic, you yeah. wouldn't be able to pick them out. They, they all right. look the same. Right. And when people lose weight on keto, they get back their unique face. That's right. You know, and this is the thing, you know, you start off with a generic fat person's face, but by the end of the ketogenic journey, you've 
you've developed your unique face that's yours uniquely. You got it back. It's what it looked like when you were five. Yeah. (laughs) Well, actually, (laughs) John didn't get his unique face. He actually got Simon Pegg's face. Oh, that's interesting. He looks like the movie star Simon Pegg from uh, Shaun of the Dead and Star Trek. Um, So, uh, yeah. But, but, uh, no, John, you got a semi-unique face back. (laughs) Congratulations. Yeah, it's great. It just warms my heart to hear stories like this. And a lot of these stories are online uh, in this thread at support.2keto.com. And, you know, if you've got a story like that, we encourage you to share it with us as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, that's my mail. <laughs> that's a long one, <laughs> but a, a good one. one. Yeah, well, a great one. What do you got? Mine's going to be a short one. This is actually from uh, Chef Darren Tetley from the National Press Club of Australia at Canberra. And this is actually where we're going to be sh- hosting our uh, Keto Fest Down Under. Now, before you talk about Darren, mm. and I, I just want people to understand what the National Press Club is relative, and Americans in particular, relative to the United States. So, mm. Canberra is the Washington, D.C. of Australia. It is, yeah. It's the capital. Yeah. And the National Press Club is like our press club that you see when they hold press conferences yeah. or, or any of that stuff, where you get all the press, the reporters mm-hmm. in a room, and then the big wigs from Washington come in and they talk to the yeah. reporters. And it's, for example, if, let's say, the Secretary of, of Education, Betsy DeVos, wanted to announce a policy for education right. for, the whole, for the whole nation, she might go to the press club, she'll give a talk about the policy, about what, what their findings have been and how they're going to to address it and mm. what the new policy is going to be. And then the press in the front row will all ask questions and then that'll appear on the news across the nation or right. and, and in print, press. And so that's really what this uh, so venue I, is. Yeah. yeah. So I want to impress upon the, Ameri- the American audience that this is a big deal, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. and, and the restaurant has to be impeccable. And mm. it's a Michelin star restaurant. Yeah. It's it's actually not a Michelin star. It's a two-hatted restaurant, which is an Australian. The equivalent. Yeah, exactly. It's a a very, very highly rated restaurant. And so, Chef Darren Mm. is the guy that we- Darren Tetley. He's the executive chef at the the National Press Club of Australia. And so, so the message from him was really- So, what I did was I went in a couple of weeks ago to show him how we were going to prepare these ketogenic meals because yeah. Carl and I are both going to do a, a, a presentation on stage. I'm going to cook salmon and mm-hmm. fennel salad, and then Carl's going to cook ice cream. Truffle <laughs> ice cream with ice dry cream. ice. Yeah, and, uh, and duck fat caramel sauce. Duck fat caramel sauce. And pig's ears. Yes. <laughs> this is a dessert oh. for the ages. Darren's a genius. I mean, it, it, it really is. And I took this big container of allulose in because he said to me, how are we going to make ice cream? Because, you know, you ketogenic people can't eat sugar. And I said, right. well, we're going to use a sugar substitute. And he said, oh, they're all really awful because they don't lower the the, the melting point. Yeah, they all get of, waxy uh, and of, yeah. chunky. And I said, ah, we've got, we've got a special one called allulose that, well, I smuggle some into Australia. Because it's illegal here. Well, it's not illegal. It's, it's not approved. It's not, it's not approved by our version of the so FDA, you can't buy Therapeutic it. Goods Association. You can't buy it from an Australian vendor, but you yeah. can buy it on, uh, on eBay and people will ship it out to you, not a problem. Mm, okay. And it's generally recognized as safe because it's a sugar that's, that's found in small amounts in fruits. So, you know, it's been in our diet for, for, yeah, two hundred thousand years. So now get the picture. Uh, Australians have never tasted allulose before. They've never right. cooked with it before. Yeah. Richard's introducing them at the capital to yeah. allulose. Yes. So this is kind of a big thing. It's a big deal. Now yeah. allulose <laughs> isn't a sugar alcohol, no. so it's not going to upset your stomach. That's right. Yeah. It is not it, based on the science that we read. Anyway, mm. it has zero effect on insulin. Zero effect on blood sugar. Yep. Does not contribute to fatty liver disease. About 70% as sweet as sugar. About 70% as sweet as sugar. Which is actually good for ketogenic people because we've all lo- lost partly our, our sense of, exactly. of sweetness. So, you know, something that's 70% to us probably tastes, you know, extremely sweet to, right. you know, right. to us. Exactly. So, that's, that's the setup. Now- mm. What did Darren say when you gave him the allulose to play <laughs> yeah. with? So, so I, I gave him a whole bottle. I said, "You do whatever you want with it. We're gonna. I, I'll give you a second bottle that we're going to use for the ketogenic festival. But this is your bottle to play with." Right. And <laughs> he said to me, uh, "We couldn't. I, I, I can't actually repeat this on a on a <laughs> on a family show." We couldn't effort. <laughs> we, <laughs> we just couldn't. couldn't. We tried. We couldn't effort. <laughs> so and the reason is they tried burning it and yeah. you know heating it up. It just doesn't. And 
when you do that with sugar, it just turns black and yeah. acrid and nasty. Yeah. Um, but this, uh, you know, he was able to make caramels so f- that went so much further than sugar mm. became such intense, complex flavors. flavor, yeah. Oh, just like caramel cubed. And we made some here, the yeah. Dark Fat Caramel <laughs> Sauce, did. just by taking 50% water 50 percent allulose mm-hmm. boiling it down until it got a little yellow then a little yes, orange amber, and then and brown then it, and then dark brown yeah. and we had it tonight over yeah. some clotted cream with berries so we did good. and it was uh and so you add so you get the you get the toffee with yeah. the with the allulose and water yeah. and then once you have the toffee to as dark a color as you dare <laughs> I mean, you can have it amber if you want, and sure. just mild. But if you really want an adult flavor of caramel, <laughs> just take it as far as you can. And then you add cream to it, and that's the caramel. But if you were to put that on something cold like ice cream, it'll set really hard, mm. and it won't um, melt in your mouth as much. Right. It'll be like a waxy sort of feel to the mouth. That's why you add the duck fat. And what the duck fat does is it, it makes it melt when it hits your mouth, and it's Beautiful. absolutely delicious. Wow, that was a good one. Good <laughs> so one. anyway, D- Darren, I- he just said this allulose stuff. Can you get some more of it for yeah. me? Because um, uh, it's it's something that all of the different rest, all of the restaurants want to cater for lots of dietary requirements. Yeah. You have people who are you know celiac, have celiac disease, yeah. they can't eat gluten. You have people who are diabetic who can't have sugar, and you have vegans, vegans who can't yeah. have pr- uh, animal products. And this. Sweetener would everybody. actually work for all of them. So yeah. he's very keen, and he's talking to other chefs about it, and they're they're, they're very keen to get um, allulose into Australia. So, well, that brings us to an interview that we did with Nadia Potaguana last week. Yeah, and uh, she is a uh, IDM employee. She's a yeah. coach at IDM with Jason Fung with and Jason Megan Ramos. Fung yeah. and Megan, and mm-hmm. also has a degree in biology and yeah, is she a does. is a naturopath. She is. She's got a degree in knowledge biology at McMaster's. So, yeah, yeah she's yeah, the yeah. real deal. So, here you go. Uh, let's roll the interview and we'll see you on the other side. Dr. Nadia Potaguana is here. She's a mother, a wife, a daughter, a friend, but also a naturopathic doctor. That means she looks at patients and health from a holistic point of view. She graduated from the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine in 2004 and also has a degree in honors biology from McMaster University 2000. Her interest has always been how to heal the human body. She works at IDM, and uh, we are very, very happy to have you on the show, Nadia. Welcome. Thank you, guys. Thanks a lot. So what is a naturopathic doctor anyway? That's a great question. I think that it probably depends on what country in the world you're in. And um, for me, I went to school in Canada, as you said, the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine. It, it's a it's a postgraduate degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a four year degree. It is a degree now. I used to be a diploma, but now it's a degree. Um, and it's it's basically a a complementary medicine approach. And for us, that meant combining alternative medicine with basic medical sciences. And I graduated 15 years ago, <laughs> so it's quite a while back. But <laughs> I actually didn't didn't uh, practice much as a naturopath per se. And, and and what I mean by that is that naturopaths in Ontario are actually uh, it's a regulated profession, um, and it is they're they're seen as primary uh, healthcare providers. So so they 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 have to uh, fulfill certain duties. They they have to do. Uh, physicals and, and and lab work and all of these things and I didn't actually ever uh, so much practice as a naturopath I did hold a license for a while but when I graduated from the college 15 years ago I moved back to my home country I moved to Mozambique and I was there for 10 years hmm. so for that reason and because I didn't have the the resources I actually started to practice as a dietitian uh, life sort of took me uh, that way and so I've always focused on food and, and diet, and I didn't practice as a naturopath. When I went back to Canada, that was a little over five years ago, I thought I wanted to practice as a naturopath, and so I did all the work to relicense, but I didn't actually end up practicing as a naturopath because, as you know, life led me to IDM, and I started working with Dr. Fung and Megan Ramos, and that's what I've been doing since. Yeah. Does a naturopathic doctor have to do all of the standard medical school uh, subjects that a that an MD does. What's is there a difference there in the curriculum? I actually don't know what the curriculum 
is right now, as opposed to 15 years ago, mm. but not, it's not an MD, it's not a medical uh, degree, it's an ND. And so we have the pharmacology and we have the physiology and a lot of the similar things, but not to the same extent, mm-hmm. because the focus of naturopathic medicine is to treat through uh, nutrition, acupuncture, homeopathy. So it's, it's a very different uh, approach. So the, we do the, some of the medical sciences in order to understand the body. Yeah. That is not the intent in, in the school. It's not, it's not so that naturopaths are like medical doctors and, and practice like medical doctors. That's right. So your uh, so your biology degree sort of helps you help you understand this nutrition and uh, all of the things. I say I say keto, you know, but I, we're really talking about nutrition and how what you eat affects your body. Mm-hmm. Actually, my biology degree. It's it's funny that you mentioned that. I did a biology degree because I wanted to go to medical school. <laughs> <laughs> ah. <laughs> So as as a lot of naturopaths, not I don't know about now, but when I went to school, a lot of the people that went to naturopathic college, their initial intent was to go to medical school. So I initially wanted to go to medical school. So I did an undergrad that would allow me to apply to medical school. Issue number one was that at some point during my undergrad, I developed IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. Mm-hmm. And then I was so very... Mm, unsatisfied with my the medical care that I got, that I decided that I no longer wanted to go to medical school. And that's how I got into naturopathic medicine. Neat. How did you meet Dr. Fung? I met uh, Jason at a conference in San Diego. And uh, what made you think about working with IDM? Because it, it seems that um, the principles that IDM use are, are very different from your traditional naturopathic or dietetic. Uh, principles. That is very true. So uh, I actually, I think, quote unquote, harassed Dr. Funk for a little while because <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to work with IDM. Yeah. And I think that probably for the same reasons that you just said, he sort of dismissed it. <laughs> so I sent right. uh, him a couple of emails when I returned to Canada and I was like, I want to work with you guys. And he was like, no, <laughs> sorry. Um, didn't know anything about me, didn't know who I was or, you know, and, and probably he gets a million of these. Uh, and then we met at the conference. Um, and I was with a group of people that he knew. And so we were introduced. And I think that's when um, it made sense. I lived in Toronto at the time. And I was very eager to to sort of follow this field. And I think, as you guys know, him and Megan really drastically needed help uh, in clinic. Yeah. And I was willing and able to. Um, and so I joined them. So you must have had your low-carb epiphany then before you met Jason, if you met him at a low-carb conference, or were you, just, were you just following to where you knew he'd be? Actually, no, I didn't. I actually didn't know. And it, it was it was kind of a, you know, what, what they say when luck meets opportunity. I, I didn't go to the ah. conference with the intent of, of harassing him, because when I did harass him, <laughs> and he sort of, uh, you know, said, no, thanks, I, I, I kind of stopped harassing him. Right, okay. <laughs> when we did meet at the conference, and this was probably a few months after uh, a light went off, he went, Oh, I, I remember you, you sent me an email. And so it was, it was actually quite interesting. And so, you know, I guess it just was the right timing. So, but your question was, how did I end up going into this, this field? Right. You know, as I said, I graduated 15 years ago and I did uh, start to work as a dietitian in Mozambique, but I didn't follow a low carb diet or intermittent fasting very, very far from it. Mm. But, when I developed metabolic syndrome about, I don't know, when I realized it at least about nine, 10 years ago, um, I, I had to obviously drastically alter my, my, my mind and my approach. And so when, when I changed personally for my own personal health, uh, of course, my practice had to change. And so that's what's been happening over the last few years. Yeah, we hear that a lot, that uh, healthcare providers have a personal epiphany when they get metabolic syndrome, find a treatment with low-carb diet, and then change their own practice. And, and that's a very common story we hear a lot. So tell us about some of the first interactions that you had with patients at IDM. So I actually had the greatest, I think, um, training into IDM. We now, as you know, have many other coaches. I'm no longer the only 
person that has joined Megan and Dr. Fun. Right. Yes. So there's, there's currently six active coaches. So I was lucky enough to be in Toronto, as I said, and available and very eager. And I got to sit in uh, with Megan for a long time in clinic. So I, that was my first. Uh, it was the summer, first of all. Um, I wasn't working. I was on an extended, quote unquote, mat leave, let's say. Mm. And I, you know, they, they had, they wanted to get to know me and I definitely wanted to get to know them. So my very first um, interaction with IDM patients was in Megan's clinics in her groups. Yeah. For a long time. I was there uh, every day that she had clinic and for uh, quite a few weeks. So do you remember the first transformation of a patient, you know, through fasting and uh, low carb diets that you saw and did it surprise you or were you, you totally on board by that point? Um, I, both. I think it's, it was amazing to see, but I think that by then I had been following IDM and, and I kind of knew the work that they were doing. And I was, you know, I was just this very, uh, as I said, eager and curious. I, I think that a lot of things that were that like stick with me was that when I would sit with Megan and listen to her, it was her interaction with patients, how she dealt with patients uh, mm. was amazing. I, I learned a lot from her, especially that because she had to deal with groups. And I, up until then I had dealt one-on-one -on -one with people. So the whole group thing was amazing to me. And the second thing is whenever Dr. Fung would come into groups, his job was to obviously review their charts and their labs and medication. And he would often show me labs, you know, you know, this guy, look at this guy, his, you know, this got better and that got better. And, and that was amazing to see that, you know, to see their lab work, you know, through fasting and a lower carb diet. Mm. So Nadia, you had treated patients beforehand with diet as an intervention. So what was the experience going from a one-on-one -on -one experience to uh, going to a group session style of experience? That's a, that's a great question. A lot of people want one-on-one -on -one care, right? Because they believe they're going to get the best care that way. I just, Carl was sent me a message a little while ago. I was in a group. I just finished a group. And I think every single group that I have, somebody in the group says, it's amazing what I got out of this. It's amazing to listen into other people. It's amazing how much good information is exchanged. You know, Megan has been doing that for many years, and I've been doing this now for, uh, you know, a, a bit over two years. And there's just no comparison. You know, it's 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 great to speak to people one on one and get to know people, of course, and um, and we do that in our groups. There is that one on one component because when I speak to somebody, I am talking to that person about them and about him or her about their individualities and what they're doing and what they want to do but then they get to sit back and listen to a whole bunch of other people that are going through similar or different things different approaches or, or same approach even with intermittent fasting there's so many different approaches so many different, different things that people are doing so what kind of uh, patients you, i guess you're getting mostly people with metabolic syndrome or type 2 diabetes Right. So we all we all see people with with insulin resistance and, and metabolic concerns. Um, I have mm. a particular interest in and I think um, you guys might know this or Megan may have told you this, but I have a particular interest in PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, right. because that was my initial expression of metabolic syndrome. Okay, I was this very thin late 20s, early 30s, uh, trying to conceive person. And uh, realized that I couldn't, was having trouble conceiving because I had PCOS. Um, and so that was my first expression of metabolic syndrome. And then, of course, lots uh, more came. I did become pre-diabetic, hypertensive, a whole bunch of other things came along with that. So I have a particular interest in PCOS, but in fertility, but the, that is not the majority of the people that I see. I see people with, with all kinds of expressions of metabolic syndrome. So the diabetics, people with uh, obesity, and all the other in between as well. You know, I really think the group thing is powerful because when you go down this road, you're basically bucking the traditions and all of the, the advice that we've been given for years and it's it, it can feel very isolating and so I, I wish that the first time i had done this i had at least one other person who was assuring me you know it's okay you're not going to die you're not going to have a heart attack you had me but the time before i was essentially on my own uh -huh. and the the fear got the best of me um and i and i think that 
you know, that that's why it really helped with Richard. That's why the podcast helps so many people because they get it that it's okay. There are other people like you going through the same thing and not dying, by the way. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, and I, you know, I, I can piggyback on that too, Carl, because when I developed metabolic syndrome nine, 10 years ago, or I started to express it, I was on my own, you know, and that was crazy. And then to put it into practice on my own sort of blindly, and then, you know, to start putting people through <laughs> this sort of lifestyle, you know, it's, it's much better now, even though it's still, as you said, very n- not norm, but it's not as lonely <laughs> as, it, as it used to be. Mm. So when, when you had PCOS and uh, I, I mean, is, w- was it really well known back then that it was a expression of insulin resistance and that, uh, you know, a, a low carb diet was a treatment or, uh, I mean, how did you connect the dots for that? Yeah, that's, it's actually super interesting. I'm not sure if it was well known. I, it wasn't well known to me, even as a naturopath. Um, I don't know if it was well known to my doctor. I was completely dismissed because I was so thin that even though I was having trouble conceiving and I kept asking my doctor for help, uh, all they wanted to do was either, well, he just for a year, he dismissed me completely for over a year. He dismissed me completely, but I started to connect the dots as far as symptoms that I had. And so then I pressed, I pressed him for further, uh, lab work and an ultrasound. And then I was diagnosed with PCOS. He did not provide any advice as far as diet. He did not provide any advice as far as you know, insulin resistance or anything else. All he said was, yes, well, uh, likely you're going to become obese. This is what he said to me. One of the last things he said to me before I walked out the door. Um, and he gave me fertility uh, drugs. What, what happened with me, what made me connect the dots was my husband did not want to do IVF. He made that very clear to me hmm. from, uh, very early on. It was basically like, well, if it happens, great. If it doesn't happen, it's because it's something going on with our bodies or something. We're just not going to do the IVF thing. And so that, you know, I was 30 or however old I was at the time. I can, I guess, 32 by, by then because I had my child just before I turned 33. And that there was a, a, a sense of urgency that I felt like I need to do. This. So what I did know, uh, Richard, was that. In my journey as a naturopath, well, not as a naturopath, but I guess as a dietitian in Mozambique, a lot of women had gotten pregnant after following um, some of my dietary approaches. And so what I decided to do at the time was I just wanted to connect the dots. I'm like, if they're getting pregnant by doing, and I had never done a diet personally because I was so thin that I never felt the need to. I didn't realize <laughs> what we realize now about <laughs> insulin resistance. If anything, it was yeah. the way that I ate and because I was so thin, the way that I continued to eat, that made me sick, right? I ate yeah. very poorly. I ate, I grazed all day long. I never had a full meal. And I ate sugar and only sugar and more and more sugar because uh-huh. I was always shaky. I was always rebound hypoglycemia. And so the solution then was to eat more and more sugar. So this is why I developed this condition. I'm certain of it. I'm sure there's other factors. But so... I'd never done a diet. I never felt the need to do a diet. If you're thin, why diet, right? So yeah. at that time, I thought, okay, I need to get pregnant pronto now. And so <laughs> I decided that I was going to go on the strictest of my diets. I had all these plans for my for my clients. And, and so I had these quote unquote, what I call them detoxes and only because people loved the word detox. And so it was like, oh, oh once yeah. a month you're going to do this detox and the rest of the month you're going to do this base diet. And so my base diet was a paleo like diet. It was a low carb diet with root vegetables and fruit and whatever. And then the, the detox quote unquote was a strict low carb diet. So then of course in Nadia mind, and I want to get pregnant now mind, was I'm going to do this strict diet. Um, and one thing I forgot to mention to you guys is when I connected the dots and realized I had PCOS, I did gain weight very quickly. In a yeah. period of three months, I gained 30 pounds all in my belly. So going from very thin to still thin, but now I have all this weight in my belly and I stopped ovulating. Yeah. So I, I knew enough to know I need to lose weight very quickly and I need to get pregnant. So then I went on this strict low carb diet for like a month and a half and I got pregnant. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Something's going on here. Something's going on. <laughs> Keto babies. We hear about that all the time, right? That's right. That's mm. right. 
So your your degree in biology from McMaster's must have been a really good foundation for you here because it enables you to work through some of the metabolic uh, pathways and work your way to root cause. Uh, there's a you know there's a lot of people with you know fundamental understanding of biology who find their way that way. So that must have been really quite helpful. Well, it's it's actually funny that you say that because I do think, you know, it's like, I don't know if it was Dr. Fung or somebody says, you know, we learned all this in grade nine science, but then we forget <laughs> about it, right? Because I don't yeah. think that, I actually didn't realize that I was insulin resistant until I tried to get pregnant the second time. So I, yeah. you know, I, I did all of that crazy diet, quote unquote, crazy at the time diet to get pregnant. The minute I got pregnant, I threw it out the window hmm. and hmm. I had, a, uh, unfortunately, a very complicated pregnancy because I had metabolic syndrome, right? Mm-hmm. Women with metabolic syndrome getting pregnant are at a much higher risk of complications. And I had many of them and postpartum complications and then was in a very bad state emotionally and physically. And so didn't really even think about this for about two years until I wanted to get pregnant again. And then is when I realized, okay, why am I not getting pregnant again? Oh, that's right. Something to do with diet and health. And then it was a friend of mine who's a gynecologist in Mozambique. She's the one that said to me, well, of course, you're not going to get pregnant, even with fertility pills, because you're insulin resistant. Hmm. That was the very first time I heard that connection. And that's, and and I always mention her name, Carolina, because she's the one that uh, I think opened up my eyes to this to this connection. And so once I knew that, I was like, oh. (laughs) Yeah, that's when it clicked. That's when it clicked. And that's when things changed for me. That's when I I said, okay, I don't don't need to do a diet to get pregnant or a, a temporary diet. I need to change my lifestyle. Yeah. Because at this point though, Carl and Richard, I was on lots of medication. I was on hypertension medication, diabetic medication, Mm. depression medication, and I was overweight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when did you go back to it? Uh, I would like to say that I went back to it <laughs> before my second pregnancy, but it's not true. I went back <laughs> to it um, after after I had my second child, who's now almost five. Yeah. And it worked out for me very well. I did have a better pregnancy. I uh, My mind was better. And so it was easier for me, I think, to implement all of this. Was the birth of your second child less painful because you may have been less inflamed or that kind of thing? Uh, if you mean the physical birth, I yep. had a C-section for both. Ah, okay. So, and and I and I want to I want to say that I was still in a very metabolically deranged place with my second pregnancy, and so no. Uh, what I think the big difference for me is that I had pretty severe postpartum depression with the first one and I didn't have it with the second one. Oh. So uh, my mind was in a better place for me to make the right choices that I needed to make as far as health. How many people do you think, estimate, that you've helped? Oh, gosh, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, uh, I do want to say one thing. Just before this call, one of my clients in my group, I, I mentioned to them that I was having a, a, a call with you guys. And she very friendly, you know, friendly reminder that you guys have a bajillion followers. And so no pressure. Yeah. So I guess we, we you know, anyone that hears uh, us, not just in clinic, right, but anyone that can take away something from our what we've been trying to, to tell people, I guess. Um, yeah. Has been. So who knows? Who knows? I have no idea. I have no idea. I know that when I worked in Mozambique, I was there for 10 years. I had uh, thousands of patients because mm. I was the only person doing what I was doing. And I was very busy and I was very lucky to be in that situation. Um, and, and a lot of these people were very, very tolerant. And, you know, especially in the first few years, because I had no idea what I was doing be honest. And they were very tolerant and I learned a lot from them, uh, much more so than they learned from me. And so I was, I, I was in a position to see lots of people. And then now I'm in a position to see lots of people because of IDM, mm. because I work in a group setting. So uh, Nadia, um, what advice would you give to young women who are newly diagnosed with PCOS or suspect that they may have PCOS? I think our advice is is really um, 
the, the best general advice that I could possibly give, not just for women with PCOS, but anybody with, with any expression of insulin resistance and metabolic syndrome is to understand insulin. And as Dr. Fung would say, I always quote Dr. Fung, because as he would say, if the problem is insulin, then the solution is to lower insulin. So it's first, you have to understand this key concept, because if you don't get it, uh, if you don't understand that, then you're going to have a really, really hard time. Because, you know, you guys probably know this, lots of people that do keto. Um, if you're eating ketogenically, quote unquote, but you're eating 10 meals a day, yeah. you're not going to lower mm. your insulin. Right. right? Mm. If you're if you're looking to lower insulin, yet your meal is at 11 o'clock at night, then 11 p.m., it's just not going to happen mm. that one for you. So I think that the key concept here and, and I and I. I, and I know it's a big, it's a big topic, of course. Um, and I always say this is why Dr. Fung has helped so many people with the obesity code or the diabetes code is because if you understand the code, then everything else falls into place and it's so much simpler, whether you're following a ketogenic diet or not. Right. The fundamental principles of lowering insulin is what you really need to focus on. However, you can That's do right. that. Yeah. That is it. Yeah. So. What advice would you give to nutritionists, dietitians, naturopaths, even doctors that are listening? It's, it really is the same. I think a lot of these people understand, don't, well, they've forgotten about insulin. And so they're focusing on the wrong things. They're focusing on calories and they're still putting people through these low calorie diets and starvation diets and eat every two hours and following these uh, conventional concepts that do not work and actually put people in a much worse state. Mm. Yeah. So again, learn about insulin. That's it. Yeah. What's, uh, what's next for you? What's in your inbox? What's coming up in your life? I am pretty content, to be honest. I very much like what I do. I love working with the IDM team. I love working in groups. As my husband would say, I'm in my element. They let me talk all day long. <laughs> How great is that? Um, <laughs> I get to do these interviews with you guys more and more, uh, lucky for me. And so I, I just really like spreading the message. I love hearing and learning from uh, our clients as well, because uh, again, I still think that I learn a lot more from being with them than they do from being with me, but I'm pretty content. I, I, I plan to stay on with IDM. I work full time with IDM and exclusively for IDM. I no longer see patients on my own and I haven't for a long time. Mm. Um, I'm just very interested and, and very eager to continue. And, and IDM has grown so much. And Megan and Dr. Fung um, have put so much great work into this program. And I'm just, I get to benefit from that for sure. Yeah, it's fantastic. Well, you're doing great work. So keep it up. Yeah, keep calm and keto on. <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Nadia. It's been a delight talking to you. Same here, guys. Thanks a lot. All right. We'll see you soon. Well, that was fascinating. It's interesting to see how people end up working with uh, Jason and Megan at uh, IDM. One of our friends, Brenda, did the same. She yeah. was a she was just very helpful to a lot of people on Facebook, and um, approached them. and And they they they're so busy because mm. so the the universe is making diabetics faster than than we can we can fix them. Right. And so uh, all of us have fly out trying to, to to help as many people as we can. It's true. It's and hard to do it one-on-one. -on -one. It is. But, you know, they've got a really good system where they have groups where the, the groups reinforce each other. And so, and Nadi was able to explain that really well, how uh, how that kind of way of, of, of coaching people is, is very effective. Very good. Well, my friend, are you hungry? I'm I know I'm not. <laughs> We've had a massive meal today. <laughs> Starting with breakfast, which yeah. was my first recipe. So yes. I guess we should call out recipes. <laughs> what you got, Carl? All right. Well, I woke up this morning and decided to make some pan roasted pork belly. Yeah. You've actually been enjoying the meats here in Australia, I haven't you? I love the meats in Australia. We Even at Costco, the meats are so fatty and so varied and uh, 
lovely looking. Uh, you have Wagyu here. We have Wagyu, but we had- At Ang- Costco. At Costco. We had Angus beef, which is like- So, the Wagyu is uh, $60 a kilogram. Yeah. There was Angus beef, which is just as good as the Wagyu, which is $30 right. a kilo. Yeah. It's half the price. And it's it actually beefier, right? It's I think less it's beefy, fattier yeah, beefier. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I agree. And but, I mean, it, it helps if you can age it a little bit, right. and that'll make it look the same as the Wagyu. First two nights I got here, we had ribeye. <laughs> the same <laughs> meal, both nights. Yeah. It was great. Right. Couldn't get enough of it. Right, well, anyway. salad. Yeah. <laughs> so, roast, roasted pork belly in a pan. So, typically, you want to slow cook pork belly. Yeah. But this is a way to do it in a half hour or so. Yeah. And this is pork belly cut into one-inch strips with no rind on it, Exactly. Right? So, you're going to cut it into one-inch strips. If you have a whole pork belly, mm. it's probably best to score it first. Yeah. Otherwise, you're scoring the strips, yeah. the fat. So, you want to score it mm-hmm. and cut it into one-inch strips. And the only other ingredients are salt, black pepper, and fennel seed. Yeah, fennel goes really well with pork, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. And don't ask me how much because if you, <laughs> you should know by now, yeah. after cooking meat or anything, yeah. when you sprinkle salt and pepper and fennel and stuff on meat, you should know about how much how much is too much yeah. how much is not enough you know sprinkle it on there liberally but don't kill yourself <laughs> i don't know i i'm sorry i'm like the king of inexact recipes i'm just you know just put some salt just on it that's all right mm-hmm. all right so it should be scored you're going to boil the pork belly in water for 10 minutes yeah all right, and that's so going to cook it through right it's going to cook it through yeah so that's important it's going to soften it up and cook it through mm-hmm. Now, you're going to completely dry each piece because you don't want it to go in the fry pan wet, mm-hmm. right? No. Yep. And now you're going to, after they're dried, coat them with the salt, the pepper, and the fennel seed. You don't need any olive oil, any oil, or whatever. No, this is going to go hit the dry pan, pan and it's going to render, right? It's going to render out. The, the pan's going to be full of fat when you're mm-hmm. done. Yeah. And what I did is I cut the pork belly strips in half because it was a small pan. Sure. And I only cooked like five pieces in the pan because yeah. that's all that would fit. And yeah. I didn't want to crowd them out too much. Yeah. Right? Because if you have, you know, too many things crowded in a pan, what happens? Yeah. Steam. It, exactly. And it doesn't crisp up. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you're going to fry in a cast iron skillet over medium heat, five minutes per side, five minutes again on the fat side. So... 15 minutes and you're done. And when you flip it on the fat side down, you, you take some sort of weight and you have a bacon press. I have yeah. one at home too. Yeah. Or you could use the bottom of another pan. Bottom of another pan with a brick on it, yeah. something like that. Just hold it down. Just throw a brick on it if you want. And, <laughs> and folks, that's it. Just take it out of the pan, let it rest for a little bit. Yeah. And what are you going to do with all of that pork fat? Well, see, I like to have recipes that use the fat uh, and 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 turn it into part of the meal because normally what you do is you throw the fat away that rendered fat that came out you might put it in a in a storage container and use it as lard no no no, no. we're going to actually put it in back in the meal that's right so so um so what I did was I, I, I took the fat off the heat and I let it cool down for a couple of minutes. And uh-huh. the reason you do this is because we're going to add some liquid, some water-based food to that fat. Yeah. We don't want to create a, a fat fire. Yeah, because so, you really could. I mean, yeah. if you took you a- You got hot boiling oil and you put something- Put some, put water, some water in there. In oh, my God. It'll, it's going to go- It's going to It's going to take- It's going to- Take your hair off. Yeah, it's going to fly. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, what I did was I added about a quarter of a cup of low-carb tomato sauce. Well, I, in fact, I actually use cubes of smoked tomato that I use, uh, that I make in my smoker. And yeah. what I do is I take tomatoes, I, I take the skin off them. I put them in, I, I, I score them with a little cross, put them in yeah. boiling water, pull the skin off the tomato, mm. cut it in half and put it in my hot smoker. Mm. And I smoke these tomatoes and that basically gets this barbecue flavor into them we've we've done this uh I've i done heard a dingo <laughs> oh no it's just your dog <laughs> it's just my dog that's bear hello uh, bear <laughs> he's getting hungry so, so how long do you smoke the tomatoes for oh only 15 minutes or so that's and it th- that was just soft. enough to get the just, smoke just in get there. the flavor in and they'll soften a bit and uh then basically i just whiz them up in a in a food processor and put them in a ice cube mold and they sit in my freezer for a cup th- those i think about maybe two years old so we had like maybe three quarters of a cup maybe a cup of yep. fat in the bottom of the pan yep. and we put like three ice cubes worth of tomato and that was perfect that was it and and so you 
but you you could also put in so you could put in some wine in there you sure. can put and you know if it's not emulsifying so right. so you really want the fat and the water to combine together and you need right. it to be slightly lower than boiling point yeah temperature and if it doesn't emulsify you can add some sodium citrate and that will help you this yeah. is from the recipe we did the other day with right. duck fat that will yeah. help it emulsify you can also add a little bit of cream to it as well well we did that too mm. so yeah. after after you melted the tomato yeah you, then you put in some heavy cream yep heavy and cream. just continued to whiz that up yep and uh i think that was it that was really, it pretty much because it's, it's already got salt pepper yeah. and fennel yeah. and fat what and more exactly. do you need put it in a bowl and <laughs> you, <laughs> you dip your pork belly strips into the into the tomato sauce and, and that's exactly what we did you've <laughs> seen it i mean we yeah. had these that pork belly strips we were dipping in this <laughs> luscious sauce and you know five little strips of pork belly was more than enough uh, for two and we were robust sated, hungry men <laughs> we were sated till three four o'clock in the afternoon easy yeah, yeah. absolutely amazing mm-hmm. Wow, that was quite a show. <laughs> of course, if you have anything you want to tell us, something we said wrong, something you don't agree with, some more research that you found to support or refute anything that we've said, send it by email to dudes at twoketodudes.com or post it on our website. And you can follow us on Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Two Keto Dudes. And make sure to use the hashtag Two Keto Dudes. And of course, if you want to join the free ketogenic forum, it's forum.twoketo.com. And you can have a look around the ketogenic forum without needing to create an account by starting with success.2keto.com. And if useless swag is your fancy, like t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other junk with witty keto sayings on it. Assless chaps. No. (laughs) Head up. Thank you for that visual. Head over to gear.2keto.com. And if you want a shot at getting some of that swag for free, join the 2Keto Dudes fan club. You'll be eligible to win something in every show. Go to fanclub.2keto.com. Assless chaps. And if you feel like supporting our forums and all the podcasts we produce, think about making a monthly pledge on our Patreon page at patreon.2keto.com. You can also see all of our podcasts and other videos on YouTube at youtube.2keto.com. And if you haven't already, please go leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That's how new people get to know about what we do. Two Keto Dudes is brought to you by Two Keto LLC, who strives to support the low-carb community with podcasts and other publications. Well, Richard, keep calm, keto on, and fast when you can. Uh, Keep calm, keto on, Carl, and keto fest down under at least once a year. Oi! (laughs) Oi! All right. And we'll see you next time. On On Two two Keto keto dudes. Dudes.